The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Then you shall live in the land that I gave to your ancestors. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm thrilled to be with you today to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God is present in ordinary places, including my fridge freezer, which went out in a week of our arrival back in London. And the weather for our fridge freezer going out was unseasonably warm, so no putting perishables outside. I think I'm finally touching down after a hectic few weeks, not enhanced an iota by the presence of cold and flu-like symptoms among us. Each week I lure an unsuspecting, hugely fascinating person to join me for part of the show, which offers with offers of social media exposure, and they come willingly to talk about aspects of family life, which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. My guest today is Mariema Willis, who is a learning success coach in Ventura, California. To find out exactly what that means when it's at home, stay with me. On the family front, I'll be talking about final days in our homestead travel preparations and obedience so let's get my weekend started i don't know how you deal with stress but i've learned through practicing with small events to get through them by imagining myself on the other side for example when i'm off to the dentist never be a dentist no one enjoys visiting them when i'm off to have work done like a crown or a filling or the dreaded root canal i imagine myself an hour later driving the other way and know it will come that my time in the chair will eventually end in 60 short minutes, just one hour, and I'll be on my way home before I knew it, milkshake in hand, courtesy of the doctor's office, and happy that it's all over. Or cleaning the bathroom. How long does that take? 30 minutes? I imagine myself having a nice drink of coffee for my 11Cs, knowing my bathroom cleaning chores all over for another week in less time than it takes to boil a kettle. Well, almost. The yoga part of me behooves me to be present. And while I agree with that and endeavor to be there completely for most of my life, there are times when I would far sooner imagine myself in another time, the on the way home time, the chilling with a cup of time. So with all the events leading up to our eventual move, I did try to focus, to be, to enjoy the wedding, the last days in our home, in America with my children. And I think I did. But it would have been easy to imagine myself in another time, already moved beyond the packing, where the, where the hard work, tears and sweat were all just a distant memory. But I knew that would happen eventually anyway. There's no stopping time, is there? 
a quick little sidestep here. How fortunate we are to know that this time will pass. Can you imagine not having the certainty of a time in the future when everything would be back to the way it was or to a way that was better? Political prisoners, for example, or any situation where an ending cannot be visualized, an illness. Now there's a whole other discussion for another day. Anyway, during our major upheaval, which began really when we arrived back in America last year, and our youngest son announced that he'd met someone he'd like to spend the rest of his life with, we experienced life within life, and it happened big time. There were many firsts for us, engagement, wedding planning, shower, rehearsal dinners, marketing a house, packing boxes and moving, closing at the title company, and the eventual funding, which meant all of a sudden, the address that had been ours, a part of our identity almost, was somebody else's. 28 years reduced to a couple of hundred boxes, two storage units and a few suitcases for our trip to England. Oh, and some money in the bank, but surprisingly not an awful lot. I suppose I was thinking of loyal service and compensation for the number of years of faithful habitation, which ended up not having that much monetary value, but carried a lot of emotional weight. Besides the main tasks at hand, other things kept cropping up to take us away from the work of sorting, packing, planning. Cars needed repairing, college loans were coming due and Sally May needed to be wooed. Family members got sick and needed care. The flat in London came under offer too. Then the house in Dallas suffered setbacks, foundations were hoisted, the pool was plastered and woodrot was taken care of. Jobs ended, birthdays came and went and relationships floundered and then were repaired. Even at the end, as I was packing up the kitchen, the last room in the house to come under the newspaper wrap, our next-door neighbour of 28 years was rushed to the hospital, and his wife called me to cry. And despite the job in hand, I thought, I need to run next door and give her a hug. Then we started packing for London, and the bags were all sorts of too heavy. And before we knew it, the movers were there and running. I'm not kidding. These two men in a truck sent four men with their truck, and they didn't stop for a moment. My blue-eyed cowboy and I had all had everything sorted out how we thought the truck should be loaded since we were dropping furniture off at three different places but they had other ideas the experts of course and roughly loaded the truck with all the boxes destined for the storage units I was still packing up the kitchen at this point and had little bits and pieces in other rooms lying dormant, not knowing where they were supposed to go on this their last day at the homestead where they'd lived all their lives. We still had the four-poster bed to dismantle and sheets in the wash and curtains on the line. We were in a flap, but I took a deep breath and started my day with the sound of, Om, practicing getting through small things so that the larger things can be handled without a meltdown, started when I was a child and is very closely related to obedience, a word, thought, and deed that I'm going to be looking at for the next few weeks. My children have moved beyond the basic form of parental obedience. I can no longer demand that they do something. They're independent, well, almost, and as, mu- and as such can obey whom they want to their common sense, a moral code, God. For me, growing up, my parents demanded absolute unquestioning obedience. Children were to be seen and not heard, a throwback from the Victorian times of their parents. Certainly there must have been parents back then who threw up their hands in despair over their children's antics and let them get away with murder or even enjoyed their children a little bit, but not mine. My brother and I obeyed them for varying reasons, out of fear, 
or a sense of duty or a condition of love. When I went to boarding school, I obeyed for peer acceptance. The nuns' success at directly linking doing what we were told to do to our popularity ratings among our peers was unfathomable. To me, and I still wonder how they made it apropos to toe the line, not rebel, which I instinctively did. On my fifth birthday, I came down the stairs in our house in Germany in a pretty dress, socks, shoes, and Angora shrug. My mother had laid out for me. All the adults present for my party said how beautiful I looked. And I even have a photo of the occasion. That's how I remember the outfit so well. But I turned around after the cameras had finished snapping and went back to my room to change into another outfit. Call me contrary. I was a little rebel who enjoyed doing the opposite of what people expected of me. The obedience bug instilled in me at school sticks to this day, however. Even though I still enjoy rubbing folk up the wrong way just because I can. The nuns, who didn't seem to have anything better to do with their prayer filled lives than to watch our every move and jump on us when we stepped outside the box, punished us in ways that affected our social standing. No sweet tea at dinner time, no pepper on the table, no outings. Even our letters were withdrawn for short periods. All of the above were privileges bestowed upon us as we gained in age. The more traditional long Sundays of detention were rare because someone had to watch us. But I do recall copying out and memorizing pages of R.L. Stevenson's Treasure Island. Did it make me toe the line? Nope. But it did turn me off Stevenson. I'm sure these poor religious who thought they were entering a cloistered convent to spend the rest of their days in godly and prayerful activities rude the day they took their final vows and found themselves living in a manor house, in a hamlet, not even a village, in the middle of Buckinghamshire country. With 125 girls nudging their teen years, barreling towards puberty with all the energy of a runaway bull. Emotional girls who countless times manifested their boredom and frustrations in ways that brought out the worst in the faithful remnant of the order of Jesus and Mary. My grandmother called nuns God's angels. Maybe they were when you didn't have to live with them, for only a few of my nuns came up to her description. These were sweet old ladies who had retired from disciplining or reprimanding and could enjoy our hot-blooded spiritedness. Perhaps it brought back memories of when they were young, footloose and fancy-free. Angel number one, Sister Aloysius. She was in charge of the solid oak front door and all who passed through it. She's the nun my mother was too timid to ask the whereabouts of the cloakroom when I was first dropped off at school. The bell that summoned Sister Aloysius to the entrance hall would sound electronically through the corridors of the convent and into the nun's quarters to bid her come hither. This door was not an entrance we used as girls and of its threshold darkness we knew precious little. They were visitors, prospective pupils and their parents, teachers, dignitaries on their way through, well-heeled members of the local gentry and such. Sister would hurry to the door to admit the wandering soul who begged admittance to our humble abode of devout women and rowdy girls. When not in the nun's quarters where she would go to eat or sleep or in the chapel praying, this dear old nun could be found in the huge entrance hall, completing the Times crossword puzzles with other elderly nuns or chatting with us in our sewing circles. We made good use of all the spaces in the convent, even hallways and vestibules. She was a watchwoman for the odd, exciting stranger whom she could admit or not. On the rare occasion when she wasn't in the hall, 
call, the clanging electronic bell would summon her from whatever it was she was doing deep inside the convent, and we, the busy embroiderers, would hear her calloped legs squeaking in the silence of the vaulted stone corridor before she came in view. Her face would be set in a smile, her body leaning heavily on her cane, her platform shoes clunking on the shiny floors as she hurried to open the door. And it looks as though it's time for me to go on a break. So when I come back, I will be with my guest. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togedet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power. In those stories, learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So we girls at Thornton were a cruel lot. We giggled behind our table linens while we made neat stitches with the colored silks, listening to the insistent doorbell, watching the slow progress of our dear sister Aloysius, deliciously forbidden to turn the key in the lock and crank the massive doors open, lest we encountered an omnibus stranger. She never uttered a sigh or a tut in our direction as we stifled our mirth. She never clucked about the interruption. The door was her responsibility in the convent, her contribution to the smooth running of the manor house. Hers was the first face visitors saw, the first impression they received. Her obedience to the Reverend Mother was carried out without complaint, and we were sorry witnesses. Well, it's time 
for me to introduce my guest this afternoon. I think it's morning for her. She was last on my show two years ago telling us about her career. Marie-Emma Willis is co-author of Discover Your Child's Learning Style and Midlife Crisis Begins in Kindergarten. She holds a master's degree in education and California life teaching credentials for regular and special education. Marie-Emma is a sought-after speaker, trainer, and consultant for parents and teachers and has worked with thousands of homeschooling families, assessing learning styles, diagnosing learning problems, and designing custom curriculum plans to meet individual learning needs. Marie-Emma is also co-founder of Learning Success Institute, where parents and teachers can learn how to coach every child for learning and life success. Good afternoon, Marie-Emma, and welcome to my show again. Hello, thank you, Vivian. It's wonderful to be back with you. So, so is it morning there? Where it is. On? It's ten fifteen in the morning. Okay. Well, I've got six fifteen in the evening, so I'm at the other <laughs> end of my day. <laughs> so, all right. So, how's how's life been with you for the last uh, couple of years since we last spoke? Because I know we did. We talked about your career the last time. So, uh huh. Well, wonderful, really. Um, we just keep, uh, you know, adding more things to Learning Success Institute's um, list of offerings. And, well, the latest thing that we're very excited about is that our websites have been totally updated and uh, modernized or whatever you want to call it, you know, with all the, uh-huh. the latest features that websites can have. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that just happened about a month ago. So we're very excited about our new look and new branding and... Um, Hopefully, people will like the way the website's flow. Yes. No, I went on then, had a look, and I, I was really impressed. It was very, oh, great. very great. smooth <laughs> and, you know, sort of easy to use and easy to navigate through. So, so t- oh, give, us that, give us that website. Is that your um, learning success? Sure, sure. Our main website is learningsuccessinstitute.com. Okay. And really, you can get to anywhere from there, but if you want to... Go directly to the one that is our homeschooling program. Uh-huh. You can go directly to solimaracademy.com. That's S-O-L-I-M-A-R academy.com. And Solimar and I- means, you know, sun and water. Um, and we're right near the ocean here in Ventura. So mm-hmm. that's well, I don't think we've actually ever talked about Solimar. Academy. Um, uh-huh. we've talked a, yeah, we've talked about um, different learning styles that um, we have and and that, but I don't think we've actually talked about the academy. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you said it's directly for homeschooling. So, give give us a little overview. Yes. Well, that is, uh, you know, the Learning Success Institute has a, a, sort of like a division called SolomarAcademy.com. We're all about learning success, whether we work with teachers or parents or students who's, who are in a traditional schools, because we certainly do that. And our learning style profile is, you know, for everyone, no matter what the schooling is or whether you're a child or adult. But we also have this division um, called Solomar Academy, and it is our homeschooling program. So um, families can enroll to have their child be a part of that school. It is an independent study program. We do it all over the world um, because we can, of course, have the technology for Skype or webinar or phone conference 
um, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. <laughs> there are all these ways to do it now. I know. Um, but the families have a coach assigned to them that has been trained by us for many years, and they are learning success coaches, and so they are the people that um, guide you, your, you as the parent and the student, through the school program. And, of course, everything is totally individualized for that child's learning style needs. So it's just, it's very fun. And if um, people go to solomaracademy.com, you can look at the, there are videos there. Our students and our parents have made little videos saying how it works for them. We have sample programs to show. For example, I have um, several students, I've had several students over the years who love fashion. And so everything is geared around that. So especially when they're in high school, we really want to um, keep that passion going for whatever they love. So um, they do history of fashion and the science, perhaps, of makeup. Just everything is geared for the things that they really love. And so it's, it's fun, it's engaging, and they're learning for life, not just you know, memorizing things to take a test. So, Mariana, how how do you do that? Do you have a team of writers who write this curriculum for you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, no, we don't have a written curriculum. What happens oh. is, <laughs> yeah, this is what happens. So let's say a student, you know, the family wants to enroll. So the first step is they take our learning style profile that we created, and we mm-hmm. talked about that last time. Um, in all the different areas that are assessed, the mm-hmm. disposition, modality, interest, talents, and best um, work environment. Mm-hmm. And so from there, we have a, an initial consultation and kind of interview, you know, the student and the parents to come up with the customized program. Mm-hmm. So let's say this student um, really loves animals and already has a desire to become a vet or whatever, just work with animals. Mm -hmm. So then we go through the different subjects. We say, okay, well, I wonder what, um, you know, history would be like. Let's talk about that. Maybe you could figure out um, something about, like, tracking the horse through history. How was the horse valuable in different time periods of history? So, we talk it out, and it's create. It's literally created. And when the kids get the idea, because usually nobody's done this with them, so they don't even know it's possible, but once they get the idea, then they start coming up with amazing suggestions um, for projects. I remember one student said, oh, next year, can I do history through the Olympics? Uh-huh. I said, wow, that's an amazing amazing idea. I mean, I never would have thought of it. And she did the most amazing scrapbook. I mean, I'm calling it a scrapbook, but this thing is the most beautiful thing. I still have it. I I talked her into letting me have it so people Mm -hmm. could see it. It's amazing because there's economics in there and politics and the, you know, history of the time literature comes into it. It's, it's just something. It's Mm -hmm. a top notch a plus plus project that you know I never would have come up with. Wow! So that's an well, example so, of what happens. Uh, 
All right. So you're, you're, um, you have the child take the profile and then you have this consultation with the child and possibly with the parent if the parent's homeschooling and wants to be actively involved. And um, what you're doing is helping the parent kind of mold that child's learning around what that child's passion is at that time. Right. And yeah. if the child doesn't know, because sometimes that's been crushed out of you if you've gone to a traditional school, there are so many kids that are so turned off, they don't even know what they like anymore. Yeah. Then we help them rediscover that. Yeah, yeah. So that might take a little bit longer. Right, right. Yeah. So we go yeah. a little bit slow. We take the pressure yeah. off. There are several steps that we do to get the student engaged again and, and you know, wanting to, to – learning is fun, you know, but if you take yeah. the fun out of it. <laughs> so so how involved do you stay once you've, um, you know, equipped the parent and the child with, with this, um, you know, sort of tool with which to learn through? Oh, very involved. Um, so if someone is coming because they only want a consultation, which is fine, we've done that as well, they just want that initial consultation and they want to get an idea of a plan, then they go off and do it. Sometimes they check in each year so we can make a new plan. Um, but our full um, independent study program, when they totally enroll, um, that has us involved throughout the year. So the coach that's assigned um, is, uh, you know, working with the family all year and having regular meetings with the student and, and parents. Sometimes when the students are older, the parent is not always on the phone or, no, or yeah. on Skype. But um, it's, uh, it, there are regular meetings all throughout the year. And so your guides, now what's special about them? I mean, do they maybe you might have a musician or a somebody who's really interested in animals or does that not matter? They've just got to be creative enough to come up with these ideas. Oh, you mean for the coach? Yeah, for the coach. The coach the is assigned. Well, if we if we do have a case where someone is, for example, um, recently somebody called and the student, um, I found out the student really loved movies. Well, one of our coaches is like a movie buff, and she just oh. knows everything. So if something like that happens, we definitely, uh, you know, would match because it, it's a lot of fun to be with an, another person that's got that same passion. That yeah. you have. Um, but otherwise, I mean, really, it doesn't matter. I could take that same student, and, and even though I don't have that same passion for movies, see, I'm allowing her to flourish and thrive. Yeah. And I would be asking her, well, what are the movies that are out? Tell me. Teach me about them. Yeah. And so, really, either way, you, you, you can't have really, uh, like, a bad match in a way right. because... Our coaches are are trained to yeah. bring out the best in that child. So yeah. it's about you. It's about the student. Yeah. Well, Mary Emma, we've got to go on a short break um, just for a few minutes, and um, we'll be back uh, to continue talking about um, your your innovative ways of learning. I think it's wonderful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? 
That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day with the Gold Medal Success Show each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for Be Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be By Design, How I Be is Up to Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Emma, I'm going to be talking a little bit now with you about, you have a book that you co-wrote um, called Midlife Crisis Begins in Kindergarten. And I, I just wonder, is it possible, by the way, I love that title, but is it, possible oh, to, <laughs> is it possible to go through life, your whole life, as someone you're not? Oh, absolutely. We run into this everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, we see it when people come to us for their children. You know, they're mm-hmm. coming to find out more about their child's learning style. We always have the parents take the profile, too, or perhaps they're coming to a workshop to learn more for their children, and they take the profile. And I can't tell you the tears, the sadness, the regrets, um, they come up at these times. When those parents look at their own profile results and say, I know that I'm like this. I, I've known it all, you know, my life, but people made me feel that this wasn't a good way to be. It wasn't a legitimate way to be. Mm-hmm. And so I've been not me. <laughs> yeah. And we have people of all ages. We have a program called Power of You Now for Adults. You know, for for themselves and um, for their own growth, and we have people all ages, from the, their twenties to their sixties, and we have people in their sixties crying, sobbing, really, during the the seminars mm-hmm. 
because they're recognizing how much they shut off who they really are mm-hmm. and a little scared to let it come out. Yeah. You know, and this is, and, uh, this, and this has been going on since they were very, very young and really didn't have a chance to even find out who they were. That's right. And that's where, and that's what they say. Well, when I was, you know, five or when I was 10 or from the time I started school, um, I was told this and this and, I could never measure up, and it was never good enough. And so it it just goes on and on, and it's really a tragedy. And, you know, that's why we named the book Midlife Crisis Begins in Kindergarten. It is funny. You know, it does get a laugh and um, a chuckle, and it, 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 it intrigues people. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's serious business because it's not funny to the people that it happens to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um are these people, you know, obviously they've been sort of um, pushed into a box that is not their box, and, and so they think, well, this is all that I, I can do. They don't really have any alternatives because of the school system a lot of times, because the school system tends to tends to do that, because I think we've discussed this before, that, um, you know, it's a certain type of person that's a teacher and an administrator, and, you know, all the people in the classroom aren't that kind of person, you know, in fact, there right. are very few. There are very few in the classroom that are like that. So a lot of children are pushed into little niches that they're not supposed to be in. Um, do you do you ever see um, people who maybe are really artistic going? That's not me at all, really. I mean, do you see all of it, or just the ones that have been, you know, their their creativity has been kind of squashed? You mean do we see people who? have been pushed into maybe being an artist and are not yes. an artist. Oh, definitely. It's like yeah. it's like everything. You know, yeah. all the possibilities are out there. Like, especially when people say, well, you have such a talent in this. You know, mm-hmm. you have to pursue it. Well, talents aren't the whole story. You might have a talent. It's fun for you to do this as a little hobby or whatever, but maybe that's not your main style of operating and maybe it's not your main interest and you know parents and teachers both um are often guilty of this but we see it in everything we see the child who's a thinking creating child and that's being squashed because no you have to be more producing and you know Mm -hmm. this way and and then we see the opposite where uh maybe a producing child um has been born into a really thinking creating family Mm-hmm. And they're mocking the fact that this child um, desires organization and, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, planning and things like that. So we really see it at all levels, and it's a, it's a matter of education. We love to have, you know, people uh, from every walk of life, really. How wonderful would it be if you really knew, this is me. It's not, I'm not saying this is an excuse, you know, like, Oh, I'm performing. I never have to be on time for dinner. I'm not saying that, but knowing who you are, what your what your passions, desires, interests, skills, your natural abilities are, and that you can be free to be that, and then you have a different relationship with other people too. Okay, so you talked about talents and you talked about interests. So, what's the difference between those? 
Well, you can have a talent, like you could be really, really uh, good at music, let's say. Maybe you are uh, a little bit of a genius at playing the piano or guitar or whatever, but you might not really be interested in, in doing that, especially not for an occupation. Mm-hmm. So an interest, on the other hand, is something that you will work your tail off <laughs> for, and sometimes people have an interest and not a talent in that thing. In fact, in fact there have been studies that show, um, you know, they, they interviewed, like, Olympic, um, the, the families of Olympic winners, and the parents often say that that child that went on to be, you know, be a winner at the Olympics was not the one that was talented in that area, swimming, tennis, whatever it might be, that there was another child in the family who actually had just an inborn talent, but weren't they weren't interested. Yeah. And yet this other one who had such a passion for it, that was the one who got up at four in the morning and swam for three hours, you know, like that, because they were so interested. Mm-hmm. So that's how we separate out interest and talent. And sometimes they come together. You have a talent yeah. and you're also interested in it. Yeah. I think a lot of time, I think as parents, we we search for those talents. You know, we search for what our children um, excel at so that we can nurture that that talent, that gift. Um, so... You know, that's a, that's a natural thing to do, and it may not necessarily be the right thing to do, but perhaps it might lead to an interest. If you're watching closely, you might, you might see something come up. Right, goes, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just have to be a good observer and listener. <laughs> well, and how difficult is that in a, in a traditional classroom? I mean, that's, it's almost impossible to teach like that, isn't it? It's not impossible, and we have taught teachers and whole schools to do it, and mm-hmm. they can, it, it can be done. And, in fact, once you do it, it's much easier on the teacher. We have teachers saying, oh, my gosh, I don't have any work at night to do anymore. Or, or my husband commented I'm not, you know, grading papers on the weekends because it's a totally different way of teaching in the classroom. Um, so, no, it's not impossible, but people don't do it. Teachers are not taught to do it, and administration is not really, um, you know, encouraging it. So what we say is if your child is in a traditional school, then you do this at home. You be your child's learning success coach. See, that's what it's all about. You're the parent. You encourage your child, and you make sure your child knows that he or she is brilliant in, um, you know, whatever they're interested in or talented in, and that you nurture that. And for sure what we don't want to do is say things like, well, you can't do horseback riding until you can spell better. Or, you know, because then we take away those things that they love, and that's the thing that's going to bring you into adulthood as a confident person. Yeah. Yeah. Not whether you memorized your math facts or not. <laughs> that actually doesn't really count at all, especially with all our technology, you know. I know. Well, one of my one of my sons memorized his math facts, learning how to ride his bike without training wheels, and he would go round and round and round in our driveway, and he'd be shouting them out at me, but he was doing his physical thing that he just had to do. And, yes. Uh, you know. <laughs> and that's where the learning style part comes in, too. So we're not saying they can't learn these skills, but do it in a way that works for them, whether they need to be jumping rope while they're 
memorizing something or drawing pictures or whatever, the modalities will help us know what to provide for them so that the, so that the learning does work in a you know in a pretty yeah. easy way. So so say you got a traditional classroom um, to do the to teach in this way, a teacher. What would the classroom look like, Mariana, with 30 students in it? <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, there wouldn't be all the desks lined up. Okay. Um, there might be a few desks, some chairs, maybe some beanbag chairs here and there, kids sitting on the floor. I mean, we really have classrooms that do this. Mm-hmm. And um, so there are different you know, options for the student even in the sitting, the environment um, has choices. And then um, pretty much the students have certain work that they have to do. And see, it takes a little bit of time to set up at the beginning, but once the teacher has done it, then it becomes easy. So students have different things that they're working on. But it's, you know, it could be the same topic. So maybe we're studying pyramids. And one student is using videos or, or the you know the DVD on the computer to, to to watch a DVD about it, and some of them might be actually reading out of a book because that works for them, and others might be playing a game about it or building something. So all these things are in the classroom, and the kids have sort of a, like an agenda for the day or the week. That they keep, and we've even had them, you know, have little clipboards. There's one class of little kindergartners, so cute. They have their little clipboard, and they're going around doing things and checking things off, and then they're, like, checking with each other. Well, I just did this one now. I think I'm going to do next. Now, where are you on your (laughs) sheet, your schedule? So, you see, it works all the way from kindergarten through high school. And the teacher then is the coach, the mentor. The teacher is free to walk around and really help and teach when somebody gets stuck. Well, unfortunately, because they're so um, geared towards testing, I suppose mainstream traditional schools aren't going to risk going that route. So, Very few. There are some, (laughs) but very few. Yeah, yeah. So we're not having an instructor lecturing at the at the top of the classroom. You're having all the children getting on and doing the work in the best way right. that they can. All right. right. Well, we have to go on a really short break again, Mary Emma. Can you come oh, back okay. for another five minutes? Okay. All right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. 
Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Mary Emma, what you were describing there to me sounded like, you know, sort of a, a really creative homeschool situation. So I suppose homeschoolers are um, happy enough not to be ruled by testing and um, we can set up our, our little classrooms or bedrooms or wherever it is that we do school right. the way we want to. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, some homeschoolers are actually afraid to do that and they're still yeah. following a school regimen, but yes... You can break out of that and yeah, know can. that it, it's just fabulous. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just the ultimate way of educating your children. Yeah, yeah. Well, I need to talk to you a little bit about spelling because spelling is my major thing. I love, I love spelling. I'm good at it. But you know what? There are a lot of people that aren't. So is there a trick to learning how to spell? If you are not a print and, re- and uh, writing learner, that's that's from the modalities section. If you're not uh-huh. a print learner or a writing learner, uh-huh. you will probably have a lot of trouble with spelling. Now, I'm also a natural speller. Um, you, you sort of have to be born <laughs> with this ability. However, the way we teach reading and spelling to a non-print writing learner really affects the outcome. Mm-hmm. So there are certain programs, like there are only about two or three that we endorse, that teach reading and spelling in a very organized, step-by-step manner for people who are not print learners. And by the way, those are the ones who are usually labeled dyslexic. But really, they are picture and hands-on learners. Mm-hmm. So for spelling, the trick is that once they know how to follow sounds, you know, for words that make sense, like fat mm-hmm. and cat mm-hmm. and fit, mm-hmm. then the weird words, they need picture tricks for them. Mm-hmm. So you draw a picture. So if you're, you're um, doing license, for example, and it has that C in it, mm-hmm. you know, where's the C and where's the S? Are there two Cs or two Ss? Then they would make a really funny picture out of the letters. And how much time do we have? Uh, just a couple of minutes, yeah. Okay, well, so if you want to do another session only on spelling, I will teach you how to do this. Oh, yes, please Because, do. Um, you know, I have to kind of create it for you because I, don't, I can't show you, so I have to, you know, explain it. Um, but you take, first of all, people who are poor spellers often 
get almost all the letters right. They just have one or two. It's those tricky ones. And so if you take the word apart and you leave the letters they already know and then take those like the C, if you get mixed up with the C in the middle, you can make a giant C and even make it look like a little car with wheels on the bottom. And once you've made that into something that looks like a picture, they've got that in their minds. Yeah, and will remember it, yeah. Yeah. And they'll remember it. So yeah. um, that's one of the ways to do spelling. Okay. Well, I am going to take you up on that. And um, I will be in touch with you again to go into spelling um, more Great. deeply we'll next do, time. Yeah, we could because you know what? With, with texting and that, it just really messes up all, all spelling because they have all these abbreviations going and they just miss, you know, leave out vowels. And, and, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm and that's to think, well, how important is spelling? So. Well, you know what? That just goes to show that you don't need to spell every letter for people to read it. And years ago, we used to have creative spelling. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was like way back in the 17 or 1800s. I'm not really good on dates, but I'm talking about a couple hundred years ago where people, you you looked at people at, at... in other words, you figured out how smart somebody was by how creative they were with their spelling. Oh, right. <laughs> and that was before we had, you know, Webster, the dictionary, where you had yeah. to spell the word like this. Because yeah. if you have a word like know, like to know something, and it's K-N-O-W, uh-huh. you see, you can be creative and spell it in all different ways. And yeah. and that's what we used to look at. It, it We didn't say, oh, no, you have to spell it one way. Yeah. Yeah, I could spell it lots of different ways. Well, I'm lots sure that would suit ways. lots of people. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I've been, we've come to the end of our time, Mary Emma. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've been oh, talking to you. Um, Mary Emma Willis, who's the co-founder of the Learning Success Institute and co-author of the best-selling books, Midlife Crisis Begins in Kindergarten and Discover Your Child's Learning Style. She offers workshops, training programs, and personal coaching and has worked with thousands of homeschooling families assessing learning styles, diagnosing learning problems, and designing custom uh, curriculum plans to meet individual learning needs. She can be found at www.learningsuccessinstitute.com. That's if you're homeschooling and you want to get, you know, sort of a consultation from her and and her group. And from there, you can go to uh, some of her other sites. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mary. I mean, you have a great weekend. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for me, too. And I'll be talking to you again, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, after that nice little break from thinking about moving, I think I now have the energy to go back to our frenetic day. I had left them in the most critical part of the job. They now had a full truck. These are our movers, by the way, these four men who are running around putting boxes on their truck and just kind of half loading it, not loading it sort of really carefully to get everything in. And it was full, and I took a really quick look around the house and saw, loads of furniture, two major appliances hanging out in the garage still to go and panic set in. It really did. A full truck, a very full house and only two storage units that already had boxes in one of them seemed like a long shot. So I quickly came up with my beloved plan B. I asked the surrounding air because everyone was moving too fast. A question, what would happen, I posited, if I couldn't fit it all in? 
Worst case scenario. Get another unit, I answered myself. Everyone was too busy. Good. Right answer. Phew. So I stayed at home for this initial trip because I didn't want to witness firsthand the angst as the truck was unloaded and stuff had to stay out on the pavement because there was no more room at the unit. While I finished packing up, my married son and his wife appeared with donuts and solace and they knuckled down to sweep and mop the rooms where either everything left in them was staying or had been completely emptied. The house echoed. I'm always better when cleaning. I did the bathrooms for the last time. Yippee! Then the four men, my son and Wiley Texan, arrived home with an empty truck and the running movers got back to work and raised the forensic level once again. The big and impressive news, though, imparted by my brave cowboy was they had managed to get almost the whole load into the unit we'd already started on, and I thought it was full. We still had oodles of room for the file cabinets, washer, dryer, barbecue grill, kettle drum, long pew from a church in Anna, and lots and lots of boxes. Actually, you know what? 28 years worth of stuff. We still had plenty of room for it. So the house emptied slowly but steadily, and the truck took off to make its rounds, first to the storage unit, then to my oldest son's where he was switching out the dining room table and taking delivery of the nest furniture. Then the last and best load went to the newlyweds' house. It was the first time I'd been there and they'd been living with no furniture for almost a month until we arrived and wham, fully furnished in 30 minutes at no cost to them. They had our coffee table, matching side and sofa tables, two tall lamps, four small lamps, a sleeper sofa, two recliners, post for the four-poster bed, dresses, bookcases, a kitchen table and chairs. Wow, a butcher's block, a baker's rag, a TV, and for the garden, a glider and a glass-top table and chairs. Gosh, I felt like I was part of some television reality show. Instead, I was just as impressively half of the parental unit bestowing gifts on her just-married son, his wife, and their home. Let me stop here for a moment to tell you about their birds. One was named Casper. Um, he was a not very friendly, shy cockatoo. And the other was named Tiki, a smaller bird, also shy, but quite personable, both white with yellow crests. I spoke to them each time I went upstairs and then I came out of the bedroom after helping my in-law daughter decide where to put stuff. And Tiki saw me and she moved from the back of her cage to the front towards me and began preening herself with her head pressed against the railings, inviting me to scratch her. I've never had a bird recognize me before. I was hugely impressed. I mean, birds aren't dogs, are they? No, I hear you. This bird also has a trick. She gets her seed, tosses it and catches it under her wing and then eats it. Yeah, there she is sneaking her food from beneath her wing. It looks most comical. It's her first trick and she bought it to the perch herself. Now let's have a little diversion here and talk about another wedding we went to right in the middle of the busiest week of our lives. I'd accepted the invitation months before even my youngest knew he was getting married. Saner people do take a year or more to prepare for large events like weddings and movies. I know. Well, moves, not movies. It would be movies too. All you long-term planners out there, we're a family of impulse. Well-researched impulses, but we don't do a lot of waiting around once we've made up our minds. 
that this wedding happened to fall on the weekend before we sold our house, moved and flew to London was just a coincidence and wasn't anybody's fault or bad management. I thought it would do us good to get away from the house in all its disarray and have a fun day and evening out. And we did, didn't we? Handsome cowboy listening in. All the way to Palestine we went. I joked that it was almost a destination wedding. I loved the forests and countryside, wild boar on the road late at night notwithstanding. The wedding was at one of those venues, you know, the one you hope your daughter never finds because you know she'll be ruined for anything less. Although I've just seen the photos from our wedding at the church and the venue looked magnificent too. So no telling what a few hundred yards of tall lights and satin bows can do. But on the morning after the night before, we made a detour to hide away and spent a couple of hours with Grandmama before heading back to the house and all our hard work and leaving <laughs> and leaving the next day for England well not the next day the next within the next four or five days anyway I'm so confused and I think I'm done rattling on for a week so happy birthday to my friend Pamela she was my well-heeled stranger I called her this morning at the crack of dawn well her time not my time and wished her happy birthday and she was very surprised uh, we're working at a church fete tomorrow outside so let's hope it doesn't rain then i'm off to bromley to buy some trousers don't seem to have bought much of anything in my two huge bags this evening is pub and fish and chip night i'll be back same time same place next week with more adventures from london friday at noon in texas or 6 p.m here in merry old so without further ado i'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio, my guest, Mary Emma Willis, and you, my faithful listeners. Stay tuned, take care, and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodloop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNair.